we value you, podcast listener. Let's pray for them right now, church. Let's make a noise and say, podcast listener, we bless you and anoint you for your best life in 2012. In Jesus' name, thanks for listening. God bless you. Give it up. Give it up for the Lord. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Thanks, guys. You can take a seat. Good on you. Awesome. Well, God's speaking, and at, you know, I, I really believe that, um, really believe that the Lord is speaking to the church to seek Him while He may be found, to seek the Lord. And I know God, but I've known Him for a while now. But yeah, but I'll tell you a little story about Moses. How he, God used him magnificently for forty years, and he felt he was only just getting a glimpse of who God was. So. Um, you know, we, we, we always should not think that we've arrived somewhere and we've got enough of God. That's not, that's, God's so humongous. That's like saying that you've drunk the, the Pacific Ocean and, and you're over it. No, you, you, you might have a little drop maybe, but God is so huge, so magnificent, so wonderful, so infinite that um, our God is awesome. That's why the angels, when they go around, they're just singing, holy, holy. They see another glimpse. <gasps> holy, holy, holy. It's like your favorite band coming out with another song. Holy, holy. Man, I didn't know Coldplay could do it. Anyway, yeah. It is time to seek the Lord and make him known. The, the sermon, uh, first things first, I think I might call it. First things first. And, uh, you know, I get this principle, I hear this principle first mentioned, you know, and, and, and of course we're just a few weeks into the new year. So, first mention, I would like to say uh, that is this, seek God and make him known. Seek God, know him and make him known. Know God and make him known. Very hard to witness, very hard to share God and share who he is and, and, and the great, you know, all this great stuff that is wrapped up in the gospel if you don't know who he is and you know, and, and I suggest this, really try and make, again, inroads towards the Lord and find out why the whole universe revolves around him. You'd do well to do that. I said last week that knowing and loving God is our greatest privilege and being known and loved is God's greatest pleasure. When I say that word pleasure, it's like a father or mother seeing their children walk for the first time or... Or, or, or talk for the first time, or, or, or ride a bike, or, you know, God has this love towards us, that he loves us in what we do. You know, he, he's looking at us, uh, he's fondly, lovingly looking to you to live your best life. Is that helping someone? That, that he's like a, 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 he's a father and a mother's love combined just looking at you with the greatest, oh, just the greatest affirmation, the greatest encouragement, you know, towards you. If you could only see that, that would get you across the line in terms of all the criticism, all the setbacks that we get through life and all the, you know, rejection that we get, misunderstanding. You can get by that if you understand and if you know the love of God. It's a powerful thing. So Revelations 4.11 going to jump from version to version. The NLT says this in Revelations 4.11, you created everything and it is for your pleasure, say pleasure, that they exist and were created. So you were born for his pleasure. You were born just like one of his you know, children, which you are, to make him pleased. You know, 
make him beam with a big smile. You know, and uh, pleasure is the word that's used here. Uh, Psalm 149, verse 4, in the TEV. Who's got a TEV in the, in the church this morning? TEV version. No one. <laughs> the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Psalm 149, verse 4. What about this in another TEV version, Ephesians 1, 5. Because of his love, God has already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children. This was his pleasure and purpose. So you're not an accident. You're here on purpose to give him pleasure. Um, Psalm 147, verse 11 in the CV. Who's got a CV in the, in the house? Someone's got to have a CV even on your phone. Come on. You, you got, I've got 12 versions of the Bible on my phone. I actually read, I hope that was alright, I read that scripture out of, off my iPhone in the funeral. It was a Catholic. I realised, oh my God, this is, this is a Catholic, traditional Catholic service and I'm going to read my scripture off the iPhone. I felt myself half apologising. <laughs> what is it? And the amplified version it was too. It was the amplified. And uh, I got away with it. I got away with it. I had the phone down here. I don't think they realised what I was talking about. Praise God. As we solemnly gathered, <laughs> Scripture reads as thus. <laughs> Um, Psalm 147 verse 11 in the CV and we love to give God pleasure by worshipping him guys thanks for that worship this morning I love that you, you pulled that together so well and uh, Anthony deserves he deserves first time he's fair I know it was his first time and uh, thanks guys he got rung up at quarter to 11 I think that wasn't too late for Anthony uh, what 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 <laughs> and um, sorry Anthony we got caught out. Someone had a little accident last night, couldn't, couldn't come. And uh, praise God for our youth that like to live on the edge and hurt their foot. <laughs> the Bible says uh, in 147 verse 11, did I read this one or not? The Lord is pleased only with those, uh, with those who worship him and trust his love. So this morning we love to worship him. It gives him pleasure. We know that. I love to worship. I don't know about you, but I love to worship wherever, wherever. Driving a car. Um, walking, talk, uh, walking, living life, w- grabbing moments and doing that. Um, and as we said last week, Jeremiah 9.24, but let him who boasts, boast about this. So this scripture is about Jeremiah speaking to a worldly people that are boasting about riches, wisdom and what else? Riches, riches, wisdom and strength. And, uh, and he says, hey... Uh, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. He's talking about God, that he understands and knows the Lord, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth for those I delight, declares. It's really amazing to even contemplate how God would, the omnipotent, the infinite, wonderful God would want to have a relationship with us, a friendship with us, with us sinful, finite people that, you know, live sometimes very carnally. But it's absolutely true. God wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend, 
wonderful people. Romans 5.10, New Living, says this, New Living Translation says this, for, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So, important word there, friendship. It's, 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 it's an amazing thing to believe, to realize that God wants to be our friend. He wants to draw close. Do you know some people that push back on you? They're a little bit self-important and they realize that you're of a different status, a different status in life. And, uh, and you know, and we get pushed back on. Oh, okay, so find someone else to talk to in this party. And, uh, and uh, it's a horrible thing, that, isn't it? But I believe Jesus Christ dignifies everyone dignified everyone. Mary Magdalene, tax collector, coming to your house. Him, he's, he's a rip-off merchant. He belongs to the mafia. You, you don't understand. I know who he is. I'm coming to his house. Only a few people in the Old Testament times had the privilege to know God like this, this friendship. Moses and Abraham were called friends of God. King David, Job, Enoch, Noah had intimate friendship with God. Then Jesus came and changed all that. When the temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom, it, it, it symbolically spoke to us about God was available. No more religion. Do you know some people like religion? They would like me to be waxing lyrical right now and be safe behind the pulpit and they would like me to just give you some bridge or some... No, actually a chasm that stops God really reaching you and connecting you and being your friend. And they are happy to be on the other side of that chasm. And to worship God, know God, love God, but no thank you very much. The personal God, the intimate God, no. Don't, don't come close. Don't do that. And uh, some people can be like that even too. And so when that curtain was rent from top to bottom, it, um, it gave us a new day. The Bible says in Romans 5.11, it says this, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship. Who's enjoying the relationship with God? Who's doing that? It's, yeah, it's okay, I guess. It's okay, I guess. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. The old hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> but actually God invites us to be friends with the Father, with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. God deeply desires to be intimately friendly with you, to relate with you, to, to converse with you. This is a big thing about prayer. I do a lot of barnstorming and prayer, I call it declaring and decreeing. I do that a lot. But then I got challenged years ago, hey, chill out, just converse with me. And, um, and then I, I have these times where I just converse with God and speak with God as a man would with a friend. And that's helped me a whole bunch because then I can offload stuff and be real, really real. Yeah, I know, God, I'm pumped up. Lots of faith and over here, but actually, God, man, I need you. And man, without you, I'm going nowhere quick. And is this all cool what I'm doing over here? You know, you know, you've got to have times like that. You've got to have times where you have that simple devotion to God. 
I think that's helping someone right now. The Bible says in John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. The word friend in the, in the verse, it does not mean a casual acquaintance, but a close trusted relationship. The same word is used to refer to the best man at a wedding. Huh. And a king's inner circle of intimate, trusted friends. Isn't it beautiful when you're in... in, in uh, cliques, are, cliques are not good uh, overall, but cliques can be quite satisfying in a fleshy way, can't they? Uh, but the, 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 it's actually what God wants us to have. God wants us to be in this, uh, in this intimate arrangement of feeling like, man, I'm in with the big guy. I, uh, man, I'm, I'm favoured to be here. I'm, man, I... Look who got in, you know. I'm here and uh, he loves me. I, I, I think everyone likes that, don't they? Who, who likes to be locked out of the nightclub, you know? And I don't go to nightclubs, but, you know, don't you love it? We say, hey, you, yeah, you're coming. You're, come on through, come on through, come on through, come on, come on. Yeah, man, yeah. You just want to hang around in that moment for a while, don't you? you just, yeah, yeah, I'm coming through, right. And actually... <laughs> It actually happened to me once at a Simple Minds concert. I was just having a flashback, sorry. And um, that, God, that God would want to be close friends to us. Uh, what does servants mean? In royal courts, servants must keep their distance from the king, but the inner circle of trusted friends enjoy close contact, direct access, and confidential information. That God would want a close friend in us is hard to understand but the Bible says here in Exodus 34 verse 14 NLT he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you how can we have this special relationship that Pastor Phil is talking about for 2012 how can we allow ourselves to go down the line who's willing to do this anyway who's just quite happy to be where they are at and look I'm going to come to church I'll maybe pay my tithe and Maybe serve a little bit, but look, uh, man, I'm just not sure I'm up to this. I've got enough drama on this planet rather than try and make amends with, with God. But the Bible says in, um, is it the Song of Songs or Psalms 27 verse 8? My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. And we looked at the life of Moses and saw what he did in Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. That's what we're in right now. We're actually in a tent for five years. That was a tent of meeting. This is still a tent of meeting for us. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting. They would go, they would go quite a distance Outside the camp, what was the camp for Moses? It was a place of familiarity. It was all the busyness of life. It was all the trading, the family, all the business of life. And, and Moses would actually turn from that and he would go a distance. He would go a distance and he would go somewhere. Who's into this sort of stuff? You would go somewhere and then you would have time. And he used to have this tent and he'd hang out in the tent and he'd have time. 
apparently Phil Cairns does this at times. He goes to the Watikins. Is that all right, Phil, to say? You go to the Watikins and he literally goes by himself. And he gets his tent up, his six-man tent. I don't know why it's six-man tent, but... And uh, he puts a one-man tent. Okay. (laughs) It's a one-man and he puts it up there and he braves the elements. And he's out there and he... I, I think he tells me he reconfigures himself. He defrags, maybe. In, uh, in those IT terms, and, and he brings himself to rest in God. He finds God. And I believe that's what church is. When we do that, we come. We come out of our familiar. The familiar will always make you normal. Pay your bills, eat wheat bix, drive my car, stay under the speed limit. Uh, you know, life is all the time, especially in Australia, man. That come down on you, man. If you get outside those rules with the council like we did, you know, we're on the other side. We had our, some grief with council for three years. We only resolved it last December. Man, it's not great fun, man. And, uh, you know, but the rules and regulations of life and family, and I'll wash the dishes and I'll sweep and I'll vacuum and what else. And, you know, you can actually become domesticated. And you don't want to do that because God wants you to be wild at heart. God wants you to be a, a, an adventurer towards the Lord in the journey. I'm not talking about getting radical and selling your home up and giving your family up, but I'm certainly talking about, amen, I'm certainly talking about be an adventurer, begin to pray, begin to ascend the hill of the Lord, begin to seek him while he may be found. You know what I'm saying? Because those familiar surroundings will always box you in. But you've got to break out. That's why some artists take drugs. They break out and they go, now I'm thinking, now I can download Get this, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, man. Sergeant Pepper's Lucy in the sky with dark. Oh, this is fantastic, man. Everyone should live like this. Except God says don't take drugs. <laughs> oh, praise God. He drew out a good distance. The more... <laughs> There we seek more of the awareness of God's presence, his voice, his counsel, his love. That is the spirit-filled life. When I go for my bushwalks along the river that you obviously see on Facebook, I'm drawing away from the familiar, from the normalcy of life, and I'm Coming out of chronological time, I'm coming into Kairos time, strategic time, time when I can meet with God, download from God and reconfigure my life to the reality of that which he has for my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if you keep your thinking and if you keep your, you know, your mindsets configured by the familiarity of life, you're going nowhere fast. Paul rebuked the Corinthian, uh, Corinth church in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3, he says... You guys walk like mere men. You look like, walk like mere men. You, you should be praying, fasting, living on the edge, changing the cities. And, and that's why I was trying to say, in 2012, God has so much more for you and I in 2012, if you want it. Some of us get our security, for, uh, you know, unfortunately from the reality of, 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 an, of a world that is quite safe. God wants you to buy into an exploded view of your life. Is that good for someone? Do you know a lot of people live, live 50 miles within where they grew up? I mean, that's okay. I, I live, gee whiz, how many miles do I live from Wales? Uh, but some people live around where they grew up. 
But that's cool. I'm not, I think that's, that's okay. But to live in that proximity spiritually. Yeah. One guy we had in our church years ago in the late 90s, I think you, some of the guys here would remember him. He was well in his 40s. He'd lost his marriage. I could tell he was dying a thousand deaths just going to work. He was a very sensible guy. He was a domesticated guy, but he loved God. And I felt for this guy, I felt for this guy. And we were doing a, a journey over to Thailand at missions work. And I said, you need to come on that. Oh, I've never been overseas. I've never done that. He said, you know what? But God's speaking to me. I think I need to do that. We took him over there and it broke him out. He began to dress differently. He began to talk differently. And he began to go out. He was a recluse. He wouldn't go out. He wouldn't make friends. He was a, a very tidy, nice, domesticated man. But he was almost good for nothing. But anyway, <laughs> but he, what it did, it exploded. How do you feel, Meg, after being to San Francisco? Is that where you went, San Francisco? And where'd you go? Chicago. Chicago. And, San and San Francisco. And it, You spoke to some uh, homeless people and, yeah, and in the homeless district. You stayed there in Chicago, no, in San Francisco, because it's rife. It's really yeah. our good friend Mark uh, Smallcomb is over there. Got a church, a C3 church. Did you man, manage to glance that church at, at C3 San Francisco? Did you really? Wow. Wow. they're reaching out to them, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well done, sis. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Talking about going out, Hebrews 13, verse 12, and so Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, hearing, uh, bearing the disgrace he bore for here we do not have an enduring city, meaning this normal city, but we are looking for the city, heaven, that is to come. Again, it's outside the camp. It's outside the familiar. Let's look at a quick story. I think I've got time. It's the story of love, unrelenting love. The Bible paints a picture, uh, paints a picture symbolically at times of our relationship with God, the head, the body, uh, the husband, the wife. Uh, powerful metaphors uh, and they speak of intimacy but really we feel the distance in uh, God all of us do and uh, that distance one man of God said is like a test it's a test you know Jesus could show himself bang like that but you know we're more blessed to not see him apparently and uh, I'd like to see him actually I'd like a personal consultation in fact but uh, um, we feel the distance, how are we, and what is our attitude, and what is our, you know, what is our spirit, you know, what is our love towards him? Do we just say, oh, he's distant, he's just a, a distant cousin, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not going to get to know him ever. But the Bible says in Psalm 53, verse 2, God looks down from heaven on the sons of men, and to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. And I pray that C3 Tugger be that church this year that was seeking God. Seeking him and making him known. And of course it says there, understanding. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand. I believe it's time to seek Jesus, to find understanding 
in the dilemma that we're in right now with the planet crumbling and capitulating all over the place, the economy, politics, who to vote for? What does it matter now? The economy, all this stuff, the world realises, my God, you know, Obama, he didn't do it for us. Oh my God, my money, my super, you know, whatever. It's not doing it. Uh, things are letting people down everywhere. And by, the Bible says, if you seek me, I will give you understanding, C3. I will give you understanding. What am I to do with all this stuff, with the calamity of life, with my family, my children? Seek God, you will get understanding and you will live your best life. Um, Song of Solomon uh, 3.1 says, all night long, it begins with this. So let's check this out. This is a great story. And uh, I should preempt the fact that uh, this, that we find the bride and the bridegroom in this story, both are intolerant of the distance between themselves, the bride and the bridegroom. They're both intolerant of this distance. The bride in the passage symbolizes the church in her deepest longings for Jesus. Is that you? And the bridegroom in the story is Christ. And uh, let's start with chapter 3. And uh, let's check this out. I think the guys have got the uh, scriptures. Uh, 3.1. All night long on my bed I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him but did not find him. It's born out of love, this searching. It's born out of love. Men, you just got to get a handle of that, that this is a love relationship. This is like something so deep that you want to swim a river, climb a mountain, and you need to get with your loved one. It's very much like that. And, um, and you might say, I know God. I, I don't need to know any more of God, do I? I found him. I got saved. But even Moses, let's check this out quickly down the home straight now. Deuteronomy 3.24 says, even after Moses at the end of 40 years, at the end of after his life, when he confronted those small gods, little g gods that were coming against his people and he was able to overcome them for 40 years, he prayed this. He says, O sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness. After 40 years of, after all that, the Red Sea and the, the plagues and, uh, you know, the water out of rock and, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the stick, the snake. And, and, and after 40 years of all that, at the end of his life, he's praying this and saying this, O sovereign Lord, you've begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. We think we may know God, but we don't. Moses telling us there, he was a friend of God. And after 40 years brilliantly flowing with God and being used by God, he says that. Now I'm starting to get a little indication of who you are, my God. Isn't that great? No, I know God. I met him, got saved. And I know, well, friend, guess what? Uh, Philippians says three uh, I think it's 3.15 in the NSAB says, Let us therefore, as many are perfect, have this attitude. Meaning Paul saying that even though you're mature, even though you're mature and you, you, you know God for a while now, you should still have the attitude like, you know, oh my God. You know what I mean? So basically he's saying this, this lady saying, night after night, I'm not giving up. She's not looking for a religion. She's looking for God that she's had an experience with. She's, she knows this God. She, this God is her, this, this, this man in this story, I should say, is her lover. She's looking for him. She's had an experience. 
you don't do that when you, you don't do that for religion, do you? Go, oh man, I love that good old time religion. Oh, I'm just waking up in the middle of the night for it and I'm yearning for it. Good old time religion. No, that's not about this. This is about a dynamic, living, vital relationship with someone that she's experienced and now she must track him down. She's on her bed seeking him, wanting to have that connection again. Getting something out of this? 3-1. On my bed, night after night, I sought him, who my soul loves. I sought him, but did not find him. A lot of obstacles in this deal. A lot of obstacles in finding God, isn't there? A lot of obstacles. I sought him. I'm seeking him night after night. Why can't I find him? Why... There's a, a story about a teacher, he's a, he's, a, he's a man of God, these are days gone by and the student comes up and he wants to be taught by the man of God, he leads the boy into the water, uh, the, the, the man, the teacher puts his hand on him and presses him under the water and the boy starts to struggle and you know, wrestle against the resistance of the old man holding him under the water and he breaks free a bit confused and he's looking at the man and he, the man, the teacher says, When you fight like that to seek God, you will find Him. When you strive for air, when you strive for God like you are striving for air, then you will find Him. Valuable lesson. 3-2, verse 3-2, this continues. Check this attitude, check this faith out. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I'll search for the one my heart loves. That's for the people who get up in the middle of the night like my wife and just got to find him. Had a precious time with Jules the other night. We couldn't sleep. And what do you do when you can't sleep? Pray, guys. Pray. Pray together. She was restless. I was restless. What do you do? Go have some milk? Let's pray. And we prayed for about half an hour and we brought ourselves to rest in God's arms. 3 3. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchman, now here it is, verse 2 3. The watchman found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? She finds the watchman who is like the prophetic ministry, the guys that see him all the time. Like, like found Jenny or Gail or, or Julie. She's out and about. She's, she's, she's just a Christian. She's looking for her lover, but then she finds a watchman. The watchman is depicted here as a watchman, but it, it, for us it would be like the prophetic ministry, the ones that see God, a seer, almost like a seer, they see God. And people should find that in us. They should, man, I was seeking God, I was getting up night after night, and, and I found this guy called Marty, man, and he was a watchman. He was a, a seer. He saw God. He knows God. And and, and guess what happened? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought, this is verse 4, till I brought him to my mother's house, till I brought him back to the local church. She found him, brought him back to the local church. 4.9 says, you have stolen my heart. When she looks at her lover, the lover says to her, the groom says to the bride, says this, 
You have stolen my heart, sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart, whom one glance of your eyes, with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace, you have stolen my heart. Let's all stand. God bless you. One last scripture. And this is my heart towards you to seek the Lord in 2012. I found the one. I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I brought him to my mother's house. What's the mother's house? The church. Bring him to church, people. Bring Jesus. Bring him to church, please. We need, we need you to bring him to church. This is my heart for you right now. Just close your eyes. God bless you. Ephesians 3.19, the Amplified Version. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence right now receive that and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself let's just worship for a little moment right now